Were there any positives to take away from the Falcons week to the Cardinals? And what changes need to be done during the Falcons bye week to get their seat? You are locked on Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, part of the locked on podcast network, your team every day. Welcome back, everyone, to another illustrious episode of the Locked On Falcons podcast, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta, your team every day. And today's episode is brought to you by Jace Medical. Empower yourself when you purchase a Jace case, providing you with a personal supply of five antibiotics that treat 50 plus infections. Get yours today at jacemedical.com. That's J-A-S-E medical.com. So, guys, if you don't know me, I'm your very host, Aaron Freeman. Been covering the Falcons for many years, formerly at falcfans.com, RIP, formerly on Twitter at falcfans, RIP, but still going strong on this illustrious podcast. And of course, we thank everyone that makes us your first listen or first watch each and every day. And to become an everydayer of this illustrious podcast, all you have to do is subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts. So as you guys can tell, I'm in a undisclosed location due to my internet being out, but that will not stop this Locked on Falcons train from going as we will be joined later today by Joe Patrick of 92.9 The Game, who covers the Atlanta Falcons, and he'll give us his thoughts on Week 10's loss to the Cardinals, what needs to happen during the bye week, and we'll talk quite a bit about scapegoats and whether players and coaches currently on the Falcons uh, fall uh, into that sort of paradigm, I guess you could say. So without further ado, let's jump into that conversation with Joe Patrick of 929 The Game right now. Welcome back, everyone, to another illustrious episode of Lockdown Falcons podcast with an illustrious guest. He is Joe Patrick, the Atlanta Falcons beat writer, beat reporter, I should say, for 92.9 The Game. Joe, my friend, welcome to Lockdown Falcons. We're not we're not writing anything, Aaron. We're not we're not writing anything. We're not. <laughs> no, thanks for having me on, Aaron. I've been a longtime listener of your show. I feel like I learn a ton about the Falcons and football in general just listening to you. And you're a tremendous resource for any Falcons fan. And I gotta say, I reached out to you after one of the shows you did last week that I thought was really important. You said something really important, and I wanted to you know just share that with you. And also, I just think that you are the most kind of independent. Uh, disseminator of falcons takes out there i think i really respect your ability to not get sucked into whatever the popular discourse is and maybe you do believe you you agree with that and you express that but you're very brave to express when you're when you just don't kind of you're not just going to go along with what everybody else is saying because it seems like the right thing to say so i always uh respect you and uh thank you for having me on it's great to be here well joe i appreciate that flattery will get you everywhere here on this uh, illustrious podcast so um Let's talk about this rough outing in week 10, Arizona Cardinals. Uh, I'll be honest with you. I did not rewatch the game. Almost always. I always rewatch these games, but I was just like, I, what What am I going to get? But I'm curious as someone who watched the game on Sunday, what were your, some of your biggest takeaways from this uh, disappointing loss uh, against Arizona? Yeah, it was it was another one of those games where you could point to any number of of things that went wrong for the Falcons in this one. I 
unfortunately did sit through a rewatch this morning. <laughs> it was, uh, and it went about as, as, as you would expect. It was, it was a weird game because of how much the offensive game plan changed with them all of a sudden really being intent on running the ball. And we talked to Arthur Smith today in his press conference, and he said that they thought that they had an advantage against the Cardinals on the interior. And that's why they went to more of the, the interior running game as well, which I thought actually worked pretty well with Bijan Robinson. It was really the first time we'd seen him run between the tackles quite a bit. And I thought that he, he did really well, but you know, at the end of the day, it was a lot of the, the similar things that we've seen that have plagued this team in the past, which is not being able to tackle the quarterback. We saw that happening against Minnesota last week. We also saw it. There was very similar actions from Arnold Evacati, um, on that one Kyler Murray scramble yesterday compared to the one he had in Tampa Bay also against Baker Mayfield, where Baker was able to have that long scramble that put Tampa Bay in a position to change the game. So that was obviously very frustrating. But I think that, honestly, it's one of those things that you just, it's not interesting to talk about really on a podcast or whatever. So that's why I'm going to say it on your podcast. Aaron. It's, you know, like it's like when you give up a big punt return that, that, that changes the game. That, that is essentially a turnover. It doesn't go in the books as a turnover, but it really is. Um, that was, I think the most consequential play of the game and it didn't involve Kyler Murray. It didn't involve Taylor Heineke. It didn't involve Bijan Robinson. Um, but I really think that that kind of swung the game and put the Falcons on their heels to the point where we would then go on and see them, lose it unfortunately so um lots of things happen none of them not all of them great obviously in a game there where you felt like it was there for the taking yeah yeah i'm i'm curious joe do you sort of take heart that the falcons had a chance to win it late in the game or do you look at this as you should have been able to take care of business against an arizona cardinals team that's only won one game going into sunday um you know, is is I, I guess what I'm asking is, you know, most of the season, I thought the Falcons would be in these sort of one score games late. And sometimes being in those situations, things are going to go against you. Some things sometimes are going to go in your favor. So I'm, I'm curious. Do you just sort of chalk it up as, you know, bad bounce of the ball goes against you or do you chalk it up as, you know, something more uh, problematic? Well, I, th I think that there's definitely like particular things that happened, right, that caused you to to lose this particular game. And you could go back and look at all the close games and there's obviously going to be, you know, tackles here that you miss here and there that you missed or plays that you could have made that you didn't make that end up costing you the game. I mean, my perspective on it is kind of over the long term when you talk about how this Falcons team has performed in close games that it's it's generally going to, you know, even itself out. And this team was really good in these close games last year. And that was kind of the stat that everybody was pointing to myself included, by the way, um, that was looking toward more Falcon success this year was how many close games they played last year uh, and the success that they were having in that. And then you thought that with the addition, the additional talent that the team added in free agency, of course, and the draft picks that that would kind of push them over and they wouldn't be playing so many close games. But unfortunately we sit here um, and this Falcons team is still kind of stuck in in this position where they're just, they don't have it going offensively to the point where they are able to kind of blow teams out. And I think that in an ideal world, you see this Cardinals team, you see the lack of talent that they have on the defensive side. And going into the year, you would have hoped that this would have been one of those games where you score, you know, 20 points by halftime or something. And you can just kind of keep on piling it on. You're never really, and you don't allow the Cardinals to, to get close. And I am frankly not surprised the fact that, 
this game was close and they had Kyler Murray back there. That's a, not a situation you want to be in uh, as a, as a Falcons player, as a coach, a coach uh, or certainly a fan. And I got to, when the Falcons scored that touchdown, I was certainly happy to see it. And I was, I was really kind of proud of Desmond Ritter in that moment, but I was also kind of like, Oh, okay. Well now, now Cardinals got the ball with two and a half minutes left and three timeouts with Kyler back there. And all you need is a field goal to win it. And they got Matt Prater, you know, and, and you, I think it almost felt like the Falcons felt that. And they were like almost um, pressing to an extent on that last drive and they allowed things to get away from them. So um, I don't know if I can say that, like, it kind of went the way I thought it would at the end. Um, you just hope that you don't find yourself in so many of these situations because in the NFL, it's such slim margins. And while we want to say that this team is more talented than that team, in general, the margins are just so close where if you leave yourself in positions with one point games, you're going to come out on the top end on, on, on winning end on some of them, but clearly not on others. And it's those games where you don't come out as the winner where you thought you should be winning the game that are really killers. And I think that that's why this Falcons fan base is kind of in the state that it's in after these three particular losses against these three teams where you felt like they were there for the taking. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. So we will move past this most recent game and move ahead and look at what needs to be changed during the bye week. That's a time for reassessment. And we'll get Joe's thoughts on that as we continue today's Locked on Falcons. So whether you're on extended travel, bracing for a major weather event, or limited by yet another supply chain shortage, you are covered, my friend. Thanks to our partners at Jace Medical Life-saving antibiotics and a long list of daily medications can be ordered in a one-year supply. Even ED generics like Cialis and Viagra prescriptions. Just go online right now to jacemedical.com and you'll receive a 12-month supply on your daily medication. Remember, use the promo code LOCKEDON at checkout for a discount. Don't get caught unprepared. Everyone should be empowered to care for themselves and their loved ones during the unexpected. And if you or someone you love would get peace of mind by having a year supply of any daily med, go to jacemedical.com to see if it's offered for you. Remember to use the promo code Locked On for twenty dollars off your purchase. Use code Locked On at checkout at JaceMedical.com. Medical.com promo code Locked. So continuing today's Locked On Falcons here with Joe Patrick of ninety two nine The Game. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the upcoming bye week, but since the Falcons are off, that means you guys will have a stress free Sunday of watching football and to get you guys geared up for that stress-free Sunday check out the locked on NFL kickoff live across the locked on podcast network if you're subscribed to locked on Falcons you can check out locked on NFL kickoff live Friday at 2 p.m eastern time so make sure you subscribe to locked on Falcons or any locked on NFL YouTube channel and you'll get geared up for this weekend's actions with Jarvis Davis Denitra Batiste Kyle Krabs and all the local hosts as well as get betting angles and fantasy tips as well so check out locked on NFL kickoff live Friday at 2 p.m Eastern time. So Joe, uh, talking about the bye week, right? It's the time to regroup, reevaluate and re, uh, assess, or I think was the terms I, I saw earlier, reimagine, we can reimagine re <laughs> things. Yeah, definitely. So what do you feel like, you know, the Falcons need to do during this bye week to come out and they face a home game against the New Orleans Saints, their hated rival, with an opportunity to get back in. You know, we, we sit here with these last three losses, feeling like the season is on the brink, and it is. But they still have the ability to kind of control their destiny because they have, I think, four divisional games in these last seven games. And 
given how terrible this NFC South division is and nobody seems to want to win it for seemingly the umpteen time the last couple of years, you know, the Falcons still have a chance to, to finish this season relatively strong and, and still be in the playoff race. So I'm curious for you, what are some of the biggest changes, reevaluations, reassessments, reimaginings that you think this team should do over the next week? Yeah, it's kind of funny when we were uh, in the media room up in Flowery Branch today, we were, I was talking to some of the, the members of the press and we were looking up when's the last time, you know, winners of the division have been under 500. Of course, the most recent was last year in the NFC South with the Tampa Bay. And then before that, it was the Panthers uh, in 2014, I think it was. So kind of funny. That's the NFC South that seems to be <laughs> yeah, have these notorious kind of winners. Um, you know, I actually actually asked Arthur Smith kind of this question where because he always said, you know, he keeps on saying every week, you know, we are what our record says we are, which is and then he'll usually repeat a record that you don't want to be at. Um, and so I asked him, like, if that's what you are, how do you then how do you suddenly become a team that's, you know, five and one after the bye or however many seven, six or seven games after the bye? Um, and I think, you know, he was like, listen, a lot of our losses have been close. That's kind of what gives us some gives us confidence is the fact that you know if these games do go a different way then um not only we would we have a better record at this point but we think that we can actually get the wins that we need in the games to come which i think is true and to your point that you just made i think the games that you have remaining on the schedule is actually exactly the games that you want to have if you're the falcons in this situation um considering the fact that they're already 2-0 in the division you've got the games against the teams that you need to have them against to claw your way back to the top and it's certainly you know, within the realm of possibility that they can do that. And I think that that's where, you know, a lot, again, a lot of this kind of bickering within the fan base takes place is because the team is not, is certainly not inspiring anybody that this is some like winning organization at this point in time. And their record reflects that that is who they are. But um, the reality is that they do still have a, have a chance to win this division. So what can they do? Um, you know, I, I think they have some kind of, unsolvable things that you might just have to try to mask as much as you can. And I think one of them it really got exposed yesterday was kind of Richie Grant playing in, in like in man coverage against a lot of tight ends in this league is a mismatch in favor of the Falcons opponents. Quite frankly, um, it was apparent last year, tight ends had a ton of success against the Falcons last year, different defense, of course, but we've seen some of those similar problems with Grant in particular in, when he's been in man coverage, losing guys for big explosive plays, big explosive touchdown plays. Uh, we saw Sam Laporta do that um, against Detroit. Obviously, yesterday, um, Trey McBride had you know the best game of his career, and I was actually just looking it up. So Trey McBride had the best year of his career by far yesterday with nine catches for 131, I think it was. A couple weeks ago, he had 10 catches for 95 yards and a touchdown against Baltimore. Pretty good defense there. But his second, his next best game of his career was also against the Falcons last year in that game that the Cardinals played in Mercedes-Benz Stadium, which I didn't even recognize at the time, but it was one of Trey McBride's best game of his careers. And that would have come you know, against Richie Grant there. So I don't know exactly how um, in particular schematically Ryan Nielsen can go about trying to avoid some of those mismatches, but I think it is something they have to take a look at um, on the positive side of it, Aaron. I actually did think that they kind of found something in their run game, which I know you've been harping on a lot this season and certainly has been a big difference with who the Falcons are this year, with who they were last year in terms of the success rate that they're having, especially on the early downs. And I thought that the way that they were running the ball out of the pistol formation um, was encouraging. I thought, you know, it was encouraging to see Bijan have the success that he had on some of those kind of more power runs. I don't know you call it inside zone or, you know, however you 
scheme it up. Uh, I thought that he looked pretty well. And I also think that that's a pretty decent way. We saw um, Arthur Smith using both Bijan and Tyler Algier in that formation a lot where you would have Bijan offset and then do some sort of like sidestepping out motion. And you can potentially set up some kind of screens that way and, and almost run some triple option basically out of that formation. But you know, Arthur Smith has said it plainly. I mean, I know he said it on Dukes and Bell, uh, our show in 99. Like, we'll we'll run whatever plays are necessary for us to get yards. And if that's with Marcus Mariota, if we have to run, you know, stuff that Georgia Tech was running in the 1950s, then that's what we're going to do. So um, that might be what they <laughs> have to resort to maybe a little bit more than, um, you know, a lot of people want. It's kind of embarrassing when you're an NFL team and you're running that kind of an offense. But I think they can at least, you know, allow them to have some more success in some of the areas where they haven't had it yet so far. Um, but obviously the big one's the quarterback, right? Like I was just looking at some of the PFF grades last week. And again, this was before they played this most recent game, but when you look at them and again, you could take PFF grades. as like the caveat, all the caveats apply, but they were like top 10 in, they were, I think they were eighth in receiving. They were, I think third in run blocking, something like that. Pass blocking was like 10th. Um, but then you look at the overall pass grades, like 24 or something, and the run game grade is similar. And why is because they're just turning the ball over. Like they're they're doing some of the building blocks well, but then they're giving it away. They're giving the ball away, and that of course affects the overall score. So um, I think if the quarterback, whoever it is, I think it will be Desmond Ritter. I'm almost certain that it will be. If he if he doesn't turn the ball over, I thought that we were actually seeing some of the best of Desmond Ritter uh, leading into you know those latter games before he was pulled and I think erroneously. And I think that when it comes to art criticisms of Arthur Smith, I think that this is probably the most glaring one that you can really make is just how he's handled this quarterback situation. Now, maybe Desmond Ritter comes out and the benching kind of was the, the thing that he needed to kind of snap into it in, in terms of the, the fumbles the, and the, and the interceptions, but um, it'll be interesting to see how he kind of reacts to this. If there's, I don't want to say animosity between the two, but you know, if, uh, if there's if, if this just changes, I guess, the relationship that a quarterback has with the play caller. So I think we'll learn a lot more, obviously, when the, the season resumes. And, you know, I'm just fascinated to see how much this team will be able to actually implement these changes over, you know, with one week. How much can you really change who you are at this point? I guess we're going to find out. Yeah, absolutely. that's going to be something interesting to watch. I know going back to last year when they had their late season bye, one of the changes that we saw from a personnel standpoint was more Troy Anderson, less Michael Walker at that linebacker position. And I'm sure, um, you know, as the week unfolds and I do actually sit down and rewatch this game at some point and watch the film, I'll probably have, you know, some thoughts on maybe some other personnel changes. You mentioned one. I know a lot of people were talking about, you know, is there a better option at safety uh, than Richie Grant at this point in time? So those will be things that I'm sure we'll be discussing later this week on Lockdown Falcons. So continue to make us your first listen. But we still got plenty more to discuss on today's episode uh, with Joe talking about scapegoats and uh, how that applies. And, and Joe sort of wanted to touch up on this topic and we'll give Joe the floor to Discuss this uh, as we wrap up today's Locked On Files. Score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers can get $150 in bonus bets with a winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. And guys, FanDuel doesn't know that your team is the Atlanta Falcons, so you can go and pretend that your team is the Bills or the Chiefs or the Ravens or some AFC team that's actually good uh, or the Eagles, whoever you want. 
And of course, you can bet the money line. That's a straight up bet. It doesn't get any easier. And whether you want to bet that money line, you want to bet spreads, player props, over-unders, and more, FanDuel has you covered from football, basketball, all of the sports. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to kick off this NFL season. FanDuel is an official partner of the NFL. So uh, here with Joe Patrick, 92-90 game. And uh, when I reached out to Joe to have him on the podcast, he, you know, let me know one topic that he wanted to touch upon. And so now I just want to give him the floor because I'm, I'm very curious where you're going to go with this one, Joe. But you, you talked to me a little bit about the nature of scapegoats and seemingly how that sort of applies to this current situation in Atlanta. So I'll give you the floor and you can take it wherever you want to go. Yeah, well, Aaron, again, I, I thought of this after, you know, hearing that podcast that you had last week, that last segment, and just talking about, you know, the resentment that a lot of Falcons fans still hold for whatever reason. And, you know, the whole topic of scapegoating um, is something that I got really interested in um, about a year ago or so, because I was reading a book. And um, it's something that I actually hadn't thought much about, because it's like one of those terms, you hear it, and you kind of assume you know what it means, you hear it contextually, but I actually did not know a lot about kind of the origins of like where that comes from. Obviously it's like a biblical thing um, that has to do with, you know, putting the, the placing the sins of a community on a literal goat that you then, you know, move out into the ship out of the community and, and goes to slaughter. Um, but it also, I, I've been thinking a lot more about it in the sports context and um, how fans are, it, it's really noticeable when you're in the perspective of, it sounds, this sounds really like, crappy to say but like when you're in the perspective of a media person basically being we're not consuming the falcons as a fan i'm sober during the games both physically uh, literally and figuratively right so like i'm just like taking in the game kind of as information basically um and so in that context you start to see fans reacting in a certain type of way and having certain kinds of emotions towards figures within the club that might be terry fontenot that might be arthur smith that might be the quarterback with take bigger choice of which quarterback that is uh, could be anybody um and I, I just want to express this like it is a form of scapegoating to say to think that all of the falcons problems are going to be solved by firing this guy or that guy or that girl or um or replacing a a, a quarterback um by, by drafting this quarterback um and, and, and that's not to say that uh, Arthur Smith should be absolved of any like, blame or criticism. Like, and, and that's one of the interesting things about a scapegoat is a scapegoat can actually be guilty of the crime that has been charged. He's been charged with by the community. Um, the fallacy of the scapegoat is that, you know, by that, that, that move that you make to get rid of this person in the sports context, it's just a firing, of course, um, that that is actually going to fix all of the problems that have, that happen within the community. And really, the only thing that it's going to fix is going to be a temporary fix of just uniting fans and in, in this like idea that this is the solution. Um, and, and you'll and you will like if if there is a firing um, won't matter to me necessarily, like I like Arthur Smith, but doesn't affect my life if he's fired or not. I'll, like you said, like I'll be here for the next coach uh, that comes in. But you know, it it would deliver some brief reprieve for fans. Be like, okay, yes, finally we have, a, we can hire a new coach who's going to fix it for us, and that might might be solution. It might not, but um, it's just an easy crutch, I think, for that that fans lean on, and I think that media do it too, because again, you kind of you hear the fans emoting and reacting this way 
and you think, okay, well, it must be true. If there's this critical mass of people who think this way, this must be how it, how it, this must be the problem. And this, and that must be the solution that we have to go toward. And so I think just for me in particular, and I think that you definitely like do this is, um, that's not always just because it has a critical mass uh, and an appeal in that way. It's not necessarily the thing that's going to bring a solution to the problem. And in this case, listen, Arthur Smith, I think could have handled the quarterback situation better than he has this year. I think Terry Fontenot could have handled the quarterback situation better in terms of how they've gone over, you know, approached it for three years and how they want to kind of come to this point in time where they're at now. But the point is that there's just, there's lots of, <laughs> to say variables but like there's lots of things that happen there's lots of places where blame is you know appropriate and criticism is appropriate um but but changing one person is not necessarily going to fix it it could but it's it probably won't and it's probably not the right kind of uh diagnosis of the actual problems that exist yes joe uh look i've been singing basically echoing these sentiments for many years, especially when we get to years where it's clearly, whether it's the head coach, whether it's a coordinator, whether it's, you know, a, a player at a certain position where it feels like a lot of the frustration that comes with the team, understandably, gets yeah. focused on an individual. And I agree with you 100% that it's never as simple as a solution as just, you know, send the goat out into the desert to, to be, you know torn apart by wolves or whatever they used to do in the biblical times. Um, it's not as simple as like, that's going to solve your problems by just getting rid of this person. And this is a topic of conversation that I could talk with you for a very long time. I'm sure at some point, <laughs> you know, as the rest of the season progresses, will be brought up again, but uh, sort of, I'll, I'll give you the last word on it. Any sort of other parting thoughts that you have on this subject or anything else before we talk out of here. No, I mean, I just l listen when I say all that, I, I really don't want to like say that any fan is wrong in their opinion. I think that every fan has the right to hold whatever opinion they want. Um, but I think that it's just when you term when you're trying to find the most accurate source of like what the actual solutions are, like if we're looking at this like a medical diet like th and that's and that's essentially what Terry Fontenot and just everybody in the organization, like everybody's tr trying to optimize. Right. So. Um, that's, and that's, I think what Arthur Smith means, even when he says like, we have to come in and we have to look at things objectively, which he says every Monday after they win or lose, frankly, um, that's just kind of what he's pointing to. So, um, that's kind of it. Like, I, it's a fascinating topic about like, yeah, scapegoat theory and, uh, mimetic theory too, which is like kind of mob mentality and stuff like that would recommend anybody look that up on Google. Uh, there's a good book called wanting by the way, by a guy named Luke Burgess. That's the book that I read. That was kind of about this so if anybody is interested in learning more uh, you can read that book for sure but uh no let's just uh hope we get out of this bye week unscathed as much as we can and we can see some wins here coming soon absolutely absolutely that's the hope but we'll, we'll see we'll see so uh we'll see if uh you know that will be the case uh in a week or two or will we continue to be talking about you know replacing the coach and replacing the quarterback and uh you know that being the the the, the quote-unquote savior that will be able to, you know, get the Falcons back on track. That that's really a 2024 conversation, not a 2023 conversation. But we'll see about that. But in the meantime, Joe, um, you know what you got going on on this Falcon Free Weekend, and where can people uh, hit you up if they want to find more of your stuff? 
Yeah, well, of course, you can hit me up on on Twitter at jpatrick200, where uh, you can follow me. I'm just I'm kind of joking because <laughs> we were talking beforehand about how I, I don't really read any replies I get, so I might not actually see you, but I do appreciate everybody who follows. I'm just trying to you know get the information out and let people take it in as 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 they want. So you can follow me at jpatrick200. Um, if anybody's here as a soccer fan, I have a podcast called Five Stripe Final, which you can uh, if you're in the Atlanta area, we cover Atlanta United, of course, so uh, you can find us there. Well. Uh, find me there as well uh and i think that's it you know 929 just tune us tune in um on game day we basically got you covered from like several hours before where i'm on the wade ford tailgate show and then the pregame show and then all the postgame stuff uh, which i know you guys do as well so just tune into 929 whenever you want absolutely joe really appreciate it i, I look forward to chatting with you uh probably in the off season when you know maybe some of these changes that we been talking about will you know sort of manifest and see where this falcon team is at in you know a month or two from this point in time which we'll, we'll just sort of have to see it has been a roller coaster and i have not enjoyed that roller coaster <laughs> whatsoever get me off of this ride but that's guys is going to do it for us here on today's locked up falcons of course tomorrow will be an all 22 review where we'll break down what i saw on the film from this arizona cardinals game um and of course uh continue to make us your first listen uh and make locked on nfl your second listen though it's all part of locked on podcast network you, your team every 